you know, because if you're giving the government more, why would you uh, want to give your family less? That's really what it comes down to it. Uh, we're not talking about being um, dishonest with taxes. We're talking about being honest with taxes and using all the tax laws to your benefit. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. All right, on today's episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast, we're talking about things nobody says at all in the financial planning uh, world. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of a different uh, spin on what we usually talk about here on the show. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I am Ben George. He is Mike Coyne and founder and owner at Principal Preservation Services with our offices there in Woodbury, Minnesota, and Hudson, Wisconsin. Mike, good to talk to you. How's it going? I'm doing good. Looking forward to this uh this episode is yeah. kind of like, uh, it, it, I say this to my kids. I said, when they tell me things, I said, nobody actually says that. Nobody does that. So this will be interesting. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Before we get started, I know you guys have, we, we rolled out some webinars last year. I know you did, your, you and your team, when everybody kind of mm-hmm. went on lockdown and didn't want to venture out too often. Um, you guys have some more of those coming up on the website here pretty soon? Yeah, we actually are. Uh, we did some social security webinars in December. And we're doing tax webinars here in January. So, you know, the new year, people want to talk about taxes and kind of get in that mindset. So we're doing some some tax webinars. We'll do some more Social Security. There's a lot of people who are comfortable still getting out in Wisconsin where they can. And um, even if, but some people don't. And of course, so we're making ourselves available for people who want to just stay home. And, you know, with, with what happened in 2020, it's really freed up people's uh, expanded the 10 stakes, I should say, is because more people got more comfortable being online and, and using Zoom and, mm-hmm. and other platforms similar to that uh, for webinars. So, and working from home is getting to be almost a common thing these days. So I think it, it's a good way to, to do it. You know what? It's actually going to free up some of my time. Just, you know, when we do webinars or seminars in person, it takes time to drive there and set up and de-set up and put on the presentation and be there an hour early. And, you know, I, I, I always love that. I like public speaking, but it's a little different doing it this way, but at least I'm in my office. I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to do any setup of, you know, banners and lighting and speakers and all that stuff. We have to go through projectors. Um, everything is a lot quicker and easier this way. It saves us a little time. Yeah. And we've all adjusted to technology over the last year, so everybody's pretty comfortable in this setting, like you mentioned. So it's a good chance to, uh, to learn from Mike um, without having to go out right now. So if you want to, just visit the website, principalpreservationservices.com. You will find the webinar listed right there on the front, plus an opportunity to connect with Mike, uh, set up a meeting, and, uh, and go from there in terms of planning. So visit the website after you get done, principalpreservationservices.com. All right, so let's talk about some things nobody says, and then and you explain why and the reasons why we never hear these things in financial planning, Mike. Okay. Uh, I like this first one. I think uh, this one's pretty obvious, but you'll never hear, I really regret putting money into my Roth IRA every year. Never heard it. Yeah, never <laughs> heard that before. Um, the actual, the biggest regret is people saying, I wish I would have put more money in my Roth, or I wish I would have known my employer had a Roth option because you know, a lot of these employer sponsor plans, they haven't made that, you know, they're not really good communicators or they add something to the 401k and it come, they don't do a, a public verbal announcement. They just send little papers, you know, in your statements and people don't pay attention to that. They find out, oh, the Roth's been available for the last five years. I didn't know that. You know, so Roth is great, of course, because you're paying your taxes today at what today's rates are. 
and it grows tax-free and withdrawals are tax-free. So when you get to that age now of uh, 72 because of the SECURE Act that was passed December of 2019 that postponed RM, your required minimum distributions on qualified accounts at 72 instead of 70 and a half. Well, now you have Roth, you don't have to pay the RMDs on that. So the nice thing is it can lower your your income, and especially if you're in those upper tax brackets, it, it can save you some money by doing Roths long-term. You'll never hear anybody regretting putting no. more money into Roth right now, <laughs> for sure. All right, um, second one on our things nobody says. In retrospect, I should have spent more and saved less over the years because now I don't know what I'll do with all this money before I die. <laughs> Again, <laughs> haven't heard of that before. Um, now, you know, we get some people who are in this mindset of just, hey, retire early, retire early. But but the problem is when people want to retire before, let's just say Medicare age, is that's, you know, that's a tough one right now, trying to retire before 65 because the cost of health care is so expensive. And I'm showing people that, man, you, the importance of working from, six, you know, not retiring at 62, because some people have that mindset of, of taking it at 62, Social Security and retiring, and then it, it affects the life of their money. Sometimes I've seen it, Ben, where if they retire at 62, they run out of money around age 80. and they, But if they work till 65, they have enough money till 90. Because it's what that three years of working will do to their portfolio makes a big difference, and their Social Security increases and everything else. So um, retiring early is not for the majority. I'll say that, um, especially those who retire before you know even sixty two is is tough. Retiring at sixty two, I still think is is early. I think we should shoot for sixty five or full retirement age based off of Social Security. Uh, just so you make sure you have enough. But the key is, you know, get a plan in place so we can see that. I like this next one because we talk about life insurance quite a bit. But um, this comment, the life insurance payout I got when my husband died was a little insulting because it's like he thought I couldn't handle the finances without <laughs> some help. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So important. life insurance is so important. Um, and, you know, again, why do we have it still? Now, the older you get, you might not need life insurance as long as you have another other other assets. Your house is paid off, and and we also have to make sure that if one something happened to one of your spouses, can you get by without any hiccups? Then you might not need any life insurance, or you might want to just look at only a a prepaid life insurance funeral trust or something like that. But I have a client here that just lost her husband about a year and a half ago. That you know it was one of those best case scenarios because he left her with a really nice life insurance policy that, that took care of her. And um, and so made sure that she wouldn't ever have to go back to work. And so just to see how that went in, in, into play, and it was uh, you know fl- something that was not expected. It wasn't like some disease or anything. It was totally something that came happened unexpectedly. And just to give you that peace of mind, I just tell her, I, I know her, her, we all have good opinions of our spouse, but just it's even higher opinions when they, you see what kind of life insurance that you protected your loved ones with made a difference. And, and then I know of somebody that passed away a couple of years ago that didn't have enough life insurance. It's a tough thing is she was already a stay-at-home mom. She had to go back to work because it was just hardly anything. Hmm. And, you know, so I've seen the, the best sides, of, you know, the best and worst sides of that. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to feel uh, feel insulted if you think of them at all in any way, even life insurance, whatever it is. If you're thinking about somebody with your estate planning, I think everybody will be greatly appreciative of that. Yeah. It's okay sometimes to have over-insurance. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, because this is tax-free money. So your loved ones get that money tax-free. 
you know, so I know what I have, uh, you know, on myself for my, my wife is she's going to be sitting fine. She'll never have to work a day in her life. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, number four, <laughs> we talk taxes, Mike, you, you, you've talked taxes with me quite a bit here. How about this one? It makes me feel patriotic to pay more in taxes than I have to. So I don't enjoy finding ways to pay less. Yeah, give me a break. I mean, man, if you pay patriotic, pay somebody else's taxes then too, maybe. Um, <laughs> pay mine, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's tax rules and laws out there and, and take advantage of it. You know, businesses do that because they know what the rules are. Um, you know, politicians do it. They're the ones who actually are involved with a lot of these rules as well. So they're taking advantage of it. Why wouldn't you? Why would you want to pay more? And, you know, because if you're giving the government more, why would you uh, want to give your family less? That's really what it comes down to it. Uh, we're not talking about being um, dishonest with taxes. We're talking about being honest with taxes and using all the tax laws to your benefit. It's black and white. There's no gray area with that at all. But I don't believe you have to be, you know, the more taxes to pay makes you more patriotic. We all pay our, our fair share in taxes and, um, you know, get me to the estate tax you know and the state of wisconsin does not have a state death tax or a state tax but minnesota does so um, for some things i don't agree with but you know that's what the rules are because they're gonna you know we get taxed so somebody brought this to my attention the other day i'm maybe off the topic we're we're just as it comes to my mind here ben i'm just gonna say it that okay. you know if you buy a car you pay taxes right mm -hmm. and then when you sell that car that new person Pays taxes on the same car you already pay taxes on. And then when it sells again, a lot of time, you know, 12 years, 10, 12 years, the car's been sold three or four times. Every time it's sold, there's taxes paid on it. It doesn't make any sense to me because it was already sold <laughs> and paid taxes initially, and then everybody's paying taxes on it. Or when we look at the estate tax, you've already paid taxes on everything in your estate, but like in certain states like Minnesota, they have, I think it's around $3 million mark. If your estate is over $3 million, you're going to pay roughly, I think, a 16% death tax, estate tax on those items. So uh, anything over that $3 million mark. So let's just say you have a $1 million. It's another $160,000 in taxes to pay on things you already pay taxes on. So certain things, I think we're, we're all doing our, our, uh, our duty paying taxes. <laughs> I, I believe so. And I feel patriotic paying those leases man, as much because I know I'm paying... Uh, enough everywhere else, whether it's sales taxes, income taxes, property taxes. Yeah, the list goes on else. and on. Right, yeah. right. And and you know, it's not it doesn't mean you're not patriotic if you don't want to pay, uh, if you don't want to find ways to trim back your tax obligations. Okay, that's the other note to make. I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, last one. I love big market corrections. It's like a really <laughs> fun roller coaster ride. 2008 was probably my favorite year. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you, I bring that up in seminars and people grab their heart sometimes because they're like, I don't want to relive that. And um, I said, you know, there's a good thing that was roughly about a dozen years ago. So, you know, but the problem is you were 12 years younger. You could afford, you know, some of that risk then. You can't afford that today because you're 12, 13 years older than where you were. So um, nobody want, likes to go in through that. Everybody likes to look at the positive news. They don't like to look at the negative news. So um, that's why it's so important to be part of a, a portfolio that you can't take on those major type of corrections like that. Just be prepared for that. Um, corrections do come. They go in cycles. And can we predict these cycles? Sometimes, sometimes not. But there's there's a lot of indicators that we could look at. But 
Um, you know, here we have all the stimulus money that somebody's got to pay the price for, right? So rates have really nowhere to go but up. So when we look at not just the stock market, but we look at the bond market, what's that outlook going to look like in the next, you know, 10 years? Because you look at where the interest rates dropped from the 80s, remember people are getting mortgages in the 15, 20% range. And we look at where interest rates are today. Well, we know interest rates have nowhere to go but up. The bond market is probably not going to look that favorable in the next maybe 10 years or so. But nobody likes to uh, lose money. Um, you know what it is? There is some opportunists out there. So I will say there are some people that are waiting for something like that to happen. But there's usually they're sitting in cash in the meantime waiting for an opportunity to get in the market. And we're talking about the you know a very few people that are out of the market during crashes and then get in at the bottom, which is smart investing. But you know what? Most people are in that. They're not in that realm. They're not. We're not. We're talking about less than one percent of the population are in that situation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, I think uh, one other thing people won't. Uh, you'll never hear anybody say is, "Hey, I wish I would have started later to start planning, Mike." So a reminder, <laughs> like it's never too late or too early to uh, put a plan in place. If you haven't yeah. done that, uh, reach out to Mike and his team, principalpreservationservices.com. That is the website. You can set up a time to meet a consultation and, and get that ball rolling because it's never the wrong time to begin planning if you haven't done so yet. Yeah, good point. And with the New Year's resolutions, hopefully planning for retirement was, you know, at least in your top 10, I'm hoping, uh, you should get a plan in place, even if you're not looking to retire this year, even if it's within the next five years, you should actually find out what's that going to look like. Absolutely. All right, let's get to a couple of mailbag questions before we get out of here. Um, Barrett says, I'm worried about what 2021 will bring after how crazy 2020 was. Is there a way I can stay out of the craziness of the market, but still get prepared for retirement? Yeah, I, I believe there are ways. I mean, that's one thing that we, uh, we work with our clients here. So again, we, it's important in Barrett to find out what is your risk tolerance. Sounds like your, your tolerance isn't what it used to be. So I think it's good to go through that step to find out what your risk tolerance is on that money, that portion that you still put in the market. But there's also a part of that money that you should have um, pulled away from the market that won't be exposed to that. So your exposure in a, a bad, you know, catastrophic down market hopefully it would be less than you know a 10% or, or less loss. Most people can tolerate that, Ben, because you know, just say you have a million dollars and if you know we look at the S&P 500 lost in the pandemic here last year, 34%, but just say you lost 30. Well, if you have a million dollars, you went down to 700,000, you have to make a 43% return on that 700,000, get it back to a million. But Barrett, what I'm guessing is you'd probably be in, rather be in this category where if you had a million dollars in the worst case in a down, the worst recession we had like a uh, real estate bubble market where the market lost 57%, but maybe you could only lose 10. Well, now you only need to make 11.2% on that 900,000 to get it back to your million. And that is recoverable, that's attainable, that's achievable, and it won't give you that stress factor in retirement where you don't have to change your lifestyle. Absolutely, thanks for that question. Um Barrett, we appreciate that. We'll actually close it out on that note, Mike. We'll save a few of the other questions for our upcoming episodes that we have later this month. Again, we have new episodes every single week, so if you haven't hit subscribe, please do so. We'll have a new one coming out uh, next week, so a lot of great topics coming up. If you've missed a few shows, go back. PrincipalPreservationServices.com is the website to do that, plus all the other resources that Mike and his team offers, including webinars, which Mike's uh, putting more and more out on the website uh, this month, so keep an eye out for that. Mike, thanks for the time today again. I appreciate it as always. You're welcome. Good job, Ben. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. Sounds good. 
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.